my dog's gonna start barking as soon as we start this. <laughs> hey, how are you doing? <laughs> all right, so we are all live. Thank you so much for joining me. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Neon Talk, episode 83. Um, as you can see here, our guest today is Caleb Smith. This is not his first time. This is his third time on Neon Talk. Um, back again to talk about esports and how everything's been rolling in his world and how COVID's affected all of his plans that he's been working on. Um, so without further ado, let's get into the meat and potatoes of today. Thank you for joining me again, Caleb. How have you been? I've been great. Appreciate you having me on. You know, so great to be back on. You know, for a third episode, really like the podcast and the creativity of it. So glad to be on here and share what I have going on with everyone. Hell yeah, man. Thanks again. I really love our conversations. You are always very detailed. You definitely know how to uh, to keep things on track, but also inform even me on a bunch of stuff. So I'm really, really excited for today's episode, um, especially since we've been kind of on this whole esports like role with all of our podcasts lately. I don't know if you saw the last one um, where we had one of our um, Neon Black members on, Erica Green, when we talked about our esports world and covid did you get a chance to see that one at all? I did not. I actually need to go back and watch that one. Yeah. I, thought I, was, I, was actually, I was actually doing a panel for the General Assembly of Raleigh. They would talk about esports and how COVID-19 was affecting it and different things like that. So that's part, yeah, that's why I missed it because I was doing another. Other esports I'll, I'll go back and watch that then now that you told me. No. Man, now you're up till midnight. <laughs> Well, tell me a little bit about about that. What? How did how did that go? What was that about? So pretty much, I had ads running for my business because we weren't really sure how long you know this COVID nineteen was gonna last and with the shutdown. And I'm a very proactive person, so I was like, I'm gonna keep my marketing. I'm planning ads if we're opening, you know, a month from now. And then obviously, I'm not doing the ads right now. Mm. But when a person from the General Assembly of Raleigh had saw it he contacted me you know he knew a decent amount about esports he was working on putting together a panel and then the general assembly they're a non-profit organization and they're international i'm trying to remember how many there are i believe there's around 30 of them all in major cities so i know they have atlanta miami and then i believe there's a couple over in australia and they do lots of education and workshops. I know the one in Raleigh, every Friday they have a free workshop. And they also have paid things. People can go to the thing I did, the panel, that was free for people to go on. And there were other esports professionals in the space. And it, sound, it seems like I know a lot about esports. And I thought I did. I was scared out of my mind while on there with them. I'm like, yeah. I hardly know anything compared <laughs> People. I mean, there was one guy, his company that he founded, they had done work for Cloud9 and Team Liquid wow. and these other people, they'd been within the industry, not actually running companies, but they'd actually been working on different projects since 2013 when esports first started to take, you know, the hit and skyrocket and really become like pop culture, how that just all of a sudden took off. And we just talked about different 
things, how COVID-19 was affecting it and within the tournaments and leagues and how just because video games are online and today Fortnite announced that they reached 350 million members and the amount of people that are now playing the games has gone up because everyone's at home. Mm-hmm. But they said just because video games are online does not mean esports are. And within, and it's very challenging unless if you actually own the game yourself to make sure tournaments and other things like that are run properly during this time, especially within mobile esports. Those are almost impossible to run because anyone can really just. Put set hacks on the phone and do unfair things within it. So it was a very great podcast. I'm not sure if they made it out to the public just to watch, but we sold out. They allowed 200 attendees. We had sold out with those, and it was very informative. People liked it. So overall, last year was a great success. And then, you know, I survived through that. Hell yeah. No, you can find the uh, the link if they did release it to the public. I'd love to, to listen to it and hear what they have to say about uh, just everything in general. I'm sure it sounds like a good listen. Yeah, I said like 10 sentences, if that. <laughs> I'm going to speak when I know what I'm talking about because these guys are way more educated than I am. But I'm sure it gave you a lot to learn, though, and a lot to think about, too. Not only just in the esports world, but just in business and COVID as well. Oh, it most definitely did. And that is the main thing about it, because when you are around people, you know, who know more, who have more knowledge, because there were so many things within esports that I didn't know about and within marketing, because I'm fairly new to the space. And a lot of them are in areas, you know, a couple of them were in Texas and trauma was some in New York, which are larger esports areas. And I went up to New York and they had more gaming centers there and their you know, Fortnite hosts their their World Cup there. And all those other areas, esports is bigger and more popular, more known. And within this area, that is really my goal is to grow esports in the triangle. Mm. Because when you think about what we have here, I mean first of all, Epic Games are here. Yeah. Plus uh, dozens of other gaming companies and then with all the schools we have here north carolina we've had like the second highest number of schools it may be third but no california is first and then it may be us or texas but we're, we're well up there you know we have lots of sports teams as well mm. the technology companies that are within the area even ones that are involved in esports because there's a difference between tech companies like SAS and Cisco and then tech companies like Lenovo and Microsoft that are local and then you know respawn they make chairs and desks here so there is lots of potential and lots of growth for esports they do need someone to push it and with COVID-19 even though that has made it a struggle for esports it has also helped in growing the awareness of it and now more people are starting to see it realize it we see I don't think there's a single sports league at least not in America that hasn't gotten into the esports I mean you see iRacing become a thing with the virtual simulators that would be so cool I wish I could have in my gaming center but they cost like $25,000 for a decent one and 45000 for the ones they actually use. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> we see as well that 
the MLS, they have an EMLS, same with the USL, the lower division, uh, EUSL, mm. and the NBA 2K, Madden, see the NFL and, and NBA players are playing those games. And a lot of it's done, you know, right now for charity reasons, but that is helping grow the awareness of esports. Now my whole thing is, they may decide to keep it on just because like, oh, this is cool, people liked it, it helps grow awareness for our team, our professional team, like the actual sports team, mm -hmm. and, and people do like video games. That's a new up and coming thing. I particularly, now the new generation, it's like 13 and younger, maybe a little bit different. I prefer to watch sports, you know, physically real people playing. And me, most people probably would, but the new generation coming up may prefer you know, the digital type as opposed to in traditional yeah. reality. But, you know, games like Rocket League, League of Legends, Overwatch, those will have gotten more attention and will continue to get more attention. And I know League of Legends was on ESPN, the semifinals and finals. I'm a huge Cloud9 fan, and they won, so that was great to watch that. I mean, everyone expected them to. They went 17-1 and in the regular season. Mm. But... From what we have seen with all these sports teams getting into it, it has really helped grow the awareness. And sports teams were getting into the esports beforehand. And then I believe next year and the years after, we'll actually start seeing, you know, more TV rights and more push towards being within esports because now sports team owners are realizing this helps to grow awareness for our company and in the future will be an additional source of revenue the extra marketing and the branding that they get off of putting their names and their brands into these video games. No, 100%, I know what you mean exactly. It, it definitely spreads a pretty big awareness, I think, and, I, and during COVID, I feel like there's been a lot more people who have become more aware, not just of video games themselves, but the entire esports world and the leagues and the teams and the tournaments and everything that comes into play. Um, one thing I wanted to say is I like your contender shirt. I know last time we were talking, you were just in the beginning of joining them. How is that going? So that's actually going really well. We had lots of setbacks, which was a good thing. Now looking at that, yeah, did have our space delivered to us in April. So it's been a little bit over a month. Pretty much what was happening was. The landlord was very behind on things and we were supposed to have the space delivered to us in January, but it didn't happen. Right now, we're finished up some electrical work. And by the way, if you go to our social media, we're on everything, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, at ContenderCarry. You can go on and there's different videos of walkthroughs. And so you can actually see the process of when we've been building up and where we started from. And you'll see... It was originally a large suite that was over 4,000 square feet. Then they put up a wall to give us, you know, 2,400 square feet. And they had to put in bathrooms and a lot of other things. So it was pretty cool to go back through and watch that. We are still planning on doing that. We do not know when we'll be opening for two reasons. One is COVID. Mm -hmm. And the other is we don't know when we're going to be ready. And now, obviously, all construction work, for instance, our fiber internet that's being installed, they said that hospitals have first priority, which I understand they should. Yeah. And then, but we don't know 
So we have no idea when that is actually going to happen. They said oh, it could be mid-July, you know, when that happened. So pretty much we're at, I would say, a little bit of a standstill within that. You know, we're still doing our marketing. We stopped the ads simply because they stopped working because people were, in the month of March and early April, people were still into it because they were like, oh, well, stuff is shut down. It could be open back up next week. We don't know. But then once people found out, oh, we're going to actually be shut down for a while, then they pretty much started to drop off yeah. and didn't get as much engagement. But we still have, you know, good engagement from people that have already joined our Discord. So we're constantly on there to talk with them. Guys are talking to each other, playing games on there as well. Really working on building that community while we're not able to be open. Because then once we do open, we'll be hosting lots of things. You know, the main thing we offer is free play. You just come and play. And obviously people, they want to come play with other people. And we host different nights. So I know on Sundays we have Rainbow Six. Wednesdays we have Overwatch. Mondays will most likely be Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And in those community nights, they're usually around 7 or 8 p.m. And they can stay till close. But people that like the game come and get together and play that game. And then we also work with them. So if they come to us and say, hey, we want a tournament, then we will run a tournament for them, put that together we're pretty much catered to the community and we listen to them and we do what they ask from us. You know, Animal Crossing is a game that's become pretty popular recently. So people say, hey, we want an Animal Crossing community. And I'm like, okay, we'll do it. And then there'll be, that's mostly weekdays and that's probably for the older crowd, like mm -hmm. you and me. Uh, most parents, their kids were up at nine, well, nine o'clock is not that bad. Well, up at nine, they're like, what are you doing video chatting with somebody? But, you know, the older crowd, they'll be up till two in the morning playing video games. Yeah. So those community nights are done Sunday through Thursday, you know, for the older crowd. And then, because obviously, they want to go out drinking on the weekends. I mean, they, yeah. some do. They probably won't on weekday nights. You know, they want something that they can just come and chill and, you know, all these people that in the tech company, they most of them play video games. And they just want to come, have fun, play some games, you know, go back home afterwards, you know, and go to work the next day. But on Fridays and Saturday nights, especially where our location is at in Waverly Place, that's when, you know, parents take their kids to go do stuff. And then we're in a very nice shopping center. Lots of great restaurants. You know, there's a center bistro there. Whole Foods in the same shopping center as well. So Friday, Saturdays are, you know, probably going to be mostly kids in there. You know, the older crowd may be there, but it's a weekend, so they're probably looking to do other activities rather than playing video games on those certain nights. Mm -hmm. And then our tournaments are going to be hosted around noontime on Saturdays and Sundays. We found that to be the best time due to, you know, getting more people in, we're saying that's when more people would be actually up and about, you know, doing their chores and running their errands. And within our shopping center, there's so much to do that if you go, you know, you can spend a few hours there, you know, while your kids left playing in a tournament or, in, or doing whatever. And that's the thing we really like about the shopping center is that other businesses are helping bring in business for us and we're helping bring in business for the other businesses. Hell yeah, that, um, that co, not codependent, that symbiotic relationship. Uh, it's definitely, that, that's awesome to hear. 
Um, it's it definitely sounds like you guys have a pretty good plan in place compared to when we talked last. Have you come to any like standstills when it comes to reevaluating anything within COVID? Like in the sense of once things do open up, you know, they're not, not everything is going to go back to normal right away. You know, my mom said like, as an example, her job, they have separated all of their desks and everyone still has to wear masks and this, that, and the third. Do you feel like there still will be some restrictions you guys will have to put in play or in just in general going forward, even out of COVID being tournament based, being so close to each other um, without really making a separation and still having that energy flow? Well, yes. And the thing about it is we've heard that if the NFL season doesn't happen, they say it's going to destroy the economy. I mean, we think about all the jobs that the football, I mean, even college football as well. I mean, you need all those people that work at the concessions and just for the teams, you know, with tickets and all that. It's going to, you know, really destroy the economy. So my thing is, you know, NFL, they start around late August time, I believe, with games, something like that, college football around the same time. If those don't happen, the economy is going to completely tank. And then we have a whole, that will be the least of our worries then if that happens. And pretty much with opening back up, we're just closely waiting and evaluating that. So we're just taking it day by day. We're most likely going to be in phase three. So around June 20th will be the earliest that we can open into July. Mm -hmm. Time period. And then we're just waiting it out to really see, you know, what we can do, things like that. And August is the latest we would want to have to open. We, we can't hold on to having to open up longer. But then once we hit then, because, you know, people only get, I'm not sure how long they can claim unemployment for and other things like that. But when people stop getting you know, those benefits, when businesses that furlough people realize, oh, now we actually have to lay them off and they're not getting benefits. The economy is going to get really bad then. And so there's so many other concerns that come up then that if it lasts long in August, I'm like, well, the economy is just going down. Yeah, no, that, that, that's really valid. I mean, as a business and an investment as is, you can really, especially with a crisis and a pandemic like this, putting your money into something, you know, you can only have to wait so long until you, you have to pull the plug. But I mean, hopefully it doesn't come to that. I mean, I, ironically enough, we actually have you rescheduled, what, in July? Um, so fingers crossed that the, the you guys will be opened up by then. July. Uh, <laughs> might want to push that back for I mean, I thought we'd be open, you know, months ago. So you never know. But <clears throat> this did educate me a lot within realizing this because then I said, okay, what if something like this were to happen again? You know, the business is purely based on a physical location. And now we see everyone's just doing everything they can digital. And, you know, like yoga studios, gyms, they're trying to do as much, you know, digital stuff as they yeah. can. And then not even charging for it. It's mostly just to keep people engaged. Yeah. And so what I was thinking, I said, okay, what is an avenue, a revenue stream, you know, that I could get that could help a business stay afloat while 
you know, stopping a pandemic like this. And then, you know, I have a consultant for the business and then pretty much what it came down to. And surprisingly, I'm usually the person who comes up with the ideas. I didn't come up with either of these. But the first one I'll tell you about was coaching. And you said coaching is great because now you see people playing more video games than ever. Companies like Riot Games and Epic Games, they have their own leagues that have, you know, cash prizes, and they're still running all their tournaments. There are lots of different online tournaments happening yeah. that people can actually win money in. Yeah. And so we think, well, people are going to want to win money. People are going to want to get better. People will still pay for coaching, you know, with potential to be on a pro team or get a college scholarship within eSports. We said this would be a great avenue. And obviously it would happen at the gaming center, but then we said if it but a situation like this was to happen again, we could easily transfer that online. Now, would it be as great? But then I mean, nothing's as great now than it was was back in February. <laughs> so that was one that we decided to transition to. The other was a youth team, which I, I'm actually going to do a, a pro team. I don't know why. Don't don't say anything about it. Don't talk me out of it. But. <laughs> Because I was, just, I've always wanted to have a team, but then I was just saying, talking to my dad about, I said, well, these teams, they don't make money. I said they lose a lot of money. And he's like, well, why do they lose money? I said, well, because they have to pay the players, they have to, you know, travel. They have all these marketing people that they have for the team. And and he said, well, you know, in youth teams, he says, when you played soccer, is that we paid for you to play soccer? And I was like. Well, you're right. And he's like, oh, if you just started, you know, a youth team, he says, where they pay in, he says, yeah, like, he said, they're paying, you know, the expenses of it. And I was like, that makes a great point. Yeah, and so I've actually just started working on that. You know, there was, was writing stuff up, it was talking to lots of different people, you know, building a team for that. And people really like the idea because, I'm sure somebody else has started this and gone about doing it, not that I've heard of, mm-hmm. but we're really working on that. And plus, there's only one team in the triangle. It's called Triangle Delta Esports. They're the only one that that I know of that are local. I mean, there may be some smaller ones. Yeah. But when you really think about it, we said, well, there's so much potential with this, you know, creating a youth team and going at it. And then you have it where they could potentially go and get on get college scholarships, get play on pro teams, get you know, to the high levels. And it was a fantastic model that would work, you know, because we would have pretty much a general manager and the coaches that were responsible for the team and a solid business plan in place that could help that work and a very inexpensive way of doing it since there already is a gaming center to yeah. use. And, you know, you know, have to build a gaming center, and they'd be like, okay, we need to monetize off the youth. Oh, that's just something extra. Yeah. No, I think that's actually really brilliant. I think that, I, I mean, just thinking back on when, you know, we were growing up and getting into video games, there wasn't anybody who really knew video games. We had to teach ourselves as thing is, things advanced. And now with video games being such a prominent um, you know, subject or full force in, in so many children's lives where a lot of parents don't really know how to monetize it or, you know, really deal with how some of these kids react to video games. Having a youth team somewhere like someone like a mentor was when you're on a soccer team who can coach you through, 
you know, some of those feelings that you get of anger and release, but still be able to teach you the skills that you're looking for and, and grow you as a, as a little brain, because, I mean, I think that that would definitely not only benefit the esports world, but also the children's lives, too. I think that's a really cool idea. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Yeah. And I mean, within it, there are lots of places to compete. The main one would be online, which we would have them use a gaming center for. And a lot of people don't know about the gaming centers that we have are having fiber internet coming into it. And the fiber internet is super fast, works really well. We have top of line, you know, PCs and equipment. They can bring their own mouse and keyboard controller if they want to use their own. But it actually serves as an advantage to have high quality equipment, which is what we are offering to them. And then I'm not sure if you heard of Esports Arena, but mm -hmm. over in Las Vegas, they have you know miniature stadium there, and they partnered with Walmart to bring you know gaming centers, so like what we have, into Walmart centers. And they picked, I believe it was 20 locations across the U.S. and Raleigh happened to be one, so there's one in the Walmart Holly Springs. Oh. Yeah. And so they have their own model, and what they do is they have tournaments every night of the week, and you actually compete against the other gaming centers like within eSports Arena. And so I know Monday night they do League of Legends. Trying to remember what days they do what, but I know Thursday night they do Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Yeah. So, you know, that is great because that gives a place for them to go to compete as well so they can get more experience in actual land type event where they're going and using equipment that they're not being used to using mm -hmm. and playing in a different environment. Yeah. And then as well, the ultimate goal is to get them going to compete at places like DreamHack and wherever else there might be large major tournament. Yeah, that's that's really, really awesome. That's that's super cool, dude. I think that there's there's so much potential to not just the youth team, but also, I mean, just the, the arena in Raleigh in general. Um, I mean, esports is growing in general. And can we, can we backtrack a little bit and talk about Vegas? Let's just say I've been holding on by a string trying to figure out if Evo is happening or not this year. Because when is it before? It was, it's like July 30th to April, mm -hmm. August 2nd. No. That's when my business will be able to open, let alone allowing yeah. thousands of people. Yeah, GalaxyCon here isn't happening. Playthrough didn't happen. ECGs didn't happen. GalaxyCon's not happening. So what do you think about all those tournaments that aren't going to be able to place? Do you feel, have you seen any of them uh, transition to online platform tournaments like you were talking about earlier? or? Yes and no. So I know some companies like League of Legends, I think, I'm talking about what it was like some invitational. Mm -hmm. They canceled that. Dota 2, they postponed one of their internationals. ESL, a company that they have gone through with it, and they said, I was actually going to go because if y'all didn't know, I lived in Germany for three years near Cologne. So I was actually going to go back. I was like, oh, cool, there's a tournament happening in June. I was like, I'm totally going to go there for, you know, watch it, three day event. Mm -hmm. But then obviously this happened, and they're said they're going to be having it behind closed doors. ESL have continued on, and the I wonder if that's helping or hurting them. And it, I believe it is helping as far as um, I mean financially. So yeah. obviously helping them 
as far as people still going, people still watching. I know there was a record number of Twitch viewers for the CSGO tournament mm-hmm. simply due to the fact that people at home like, oh, we can watch video games yeah. now. And, but their parent company, I'm trying to remember what it is, but ESL and DreamHack are both owned by the same company. And that parent company, they said due to COVID, which it wasn't all due to COVID, because I'm like, you probably still gonna lose a lot of money anyways. Yeah. But they said they lost 13 million in the first wow. quarter. Yeah. I mean, you know, DreamHack is a large major event. I went last year in Atlanta. It was absolutely phenomenal getting to go and experience that and seeing everything they had. And they said due to DreamHack may not happen until, you know, September. And then there's the international and the ESL, everything they want to do can only happen online. Yeah. So all that can cut in and hurt, which the people that I said, like how I'm being proactive and still going out and marketing and building businesses and being creative, mm-hmm. those are the people that would do well when the you know the economy gets back up and running. 100%. Oh, yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you there. Um, that's I, That's something that I think a lot of people don't really keep in mind, that even though we are going through a crisis, you know, businesses still need to try to market and add so then when things do go or start adjusting back to normal there is this base already of ads and content that has been being generated and and put in front of people's minds before things even get back to normal so there's something to invest in once things do um you know another thing i wanted to mention is that aside from a lot of the you know, a lot of the postponing um, from the the tournaments and stuff is uh, a lot of um, esports organizations I've noticed are coming together and kind of tag teaming here and there to create new teams, new leagues, just kind of due to this this drop off that they've been seeing. Do you think that there's going to be more of that? Absolutely. I know there's this one team called Infinite. They're based in Wilmington, North Carolina, and then they just partnered with UNCW Esports to create a tournament, and they'll be doing other things. They're a very good organization, you know, but going back to the part of, you know, not making money, I know they had to release their Halo team, their Smash team mutually agreed to part ways. Those were the only two they had. They now have Fortnite, Tekken and Echo Arena. Echo Arena is a VR game. And within esports, it is very challenging. I think we're going to see more mergers Mm -hmm. in the years to come because, like I said, they don't make money. And so what they're going to realize is going to say, well, we can keep putting more money into this or we can merge together and try to, you know, join forces and build. But what people don't know is that it took the NFL, NBA, NHL years to make money from it. And it really didn't start happening until they started signing, you know, massive TV right. Because yeah. over half of NFL teams revenue is from TV right. Yeah. And eventually you're gonna get those in esports and they're holding on. So I don't think it'll last it'll be longer than twenty years, but you know, maybe five, ten years. I know Overwatch League, they just signed a three year deal for hundred and eighty million with YouTube. And but that means for three years, they can't sign with anyone else. No. They wants to pay them, you know, triple that 
next year, they can't do it. There is a lot of figuring it out, out left to be done. But what we have to understand is that this is a brand new industry that's just coming about and they'll really start taking off in 2012. And it's really funded by sponsorships, investors, and investors. Really nothing else. I know merchandise is, you know, another source of revenue for teams, but it's mostly sponsors and investors. And as long as, well, sponsors will keep sponsoring because it helps them whether teams make money or not. But then one thing you have to worry about investors, I feel like that's why so many teams now emerging, they're saying, I'm not going to keep dumping my money back into this. And, you know, with where the economy is, do they really want to put a million dollars into a team not knowing if their tenants are going to, when their tenants aren't paying rent and they're you know, 2,000 apartments they own. Yeah. No, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, shoot. I literally just had something on the top of my head that I was going to, I was going to ask you. Um, it regards, it regards, <laughs> in regards to the mergers too. Um, shoot. Oh, well, I'll remember it. But I mean, I definitely, I, I definitely know what you, you're, you're talking about in the sense of just the, the foresight of where everything is going in, in the esports world and kind of, you know, the whole, you know, how history repeats itself, but in the sense of, you know, sports to esports to going on to other online platforms to be able, oh, sponsorships. So, and and having those sponsorships. Um, So do you feel like it's still very important for, I mean, it's not more important now for these gamers and some of these teams to really, I mean, get their their online presence and and, um, everything just together so then they can really establish these sponsorships, whether the sponsorships are being given out now or afterwards. So that's a great point you bring up, and it is very important. And, and you know, I'm Cloud9, I have Cloud9 jersey, and they have probably six, seven, more, more than that sponsors all over the jersey. The reason why it's so important is because there are some, obviously all the players are great, but as far as the league may go, there would be, you know, just slightly above average player. Mm-hmm. But because they built such a great personal brand, you know, posting content on YouTube and, and social media, for instance, someone like Ninja, who is a phenomenal Fortnite player. Yeah. Everyone base phenomenal at it. But there are so many people that are better than him. For instance, the guy that won $3 million at the World Cup. But Ninja... He's not a Fortnite streamer. He's not an esports player. He's a brand. He's an influencer. Yeah. And he, like you know, when he plays with Drake and when he has his own event, how many views those get? Yeah. And the thing with that is, especially for what I'm doing, because you know we're not going to be playing in the Overwatch League or the League of Legends highest league. And, you know we're going to be competing, like I said, all these local events and then going hopefully to some national ones. I will always take a gamer that has a great personal brand over one that's just better. Because the thing is, like, okay, you go to a tournament, y'all win $2,500. We get 10% of that, $250 over. And so for the last, you know, three months, that's what we made off, y'all. I mean, that's really not that much. But when players have built a personal brand, that means you get supporters, people backing, you get merchandise sales, you get people watching, you know, and I was some people like, oh, it's in the East Bus, they want to come to, you know, where their training facility is. And I actually, I'll keep, I'll bring this point up later, but I actually have a new facility that I'm looking to build. But first I'll finish on this. 
and then with building the personal brand and when you know getting them on your podcast and it's more so about people when they rally behind a certain type of athlete simply due to the great personal brand they built and now usually it is the better ones but for instance, I'm not sure if you're a tennis fan, Gail Monfils, who people absolutely love him just because of the silly stuff he does. Mm-hmm. Now, he is a great tennis player. I mean, he could be one of the best if he actually wanted to. But the thing is, he's so entertaining and people love him so much that he get the amount of sponsorship he get is so high compared to players that are better than him. Yeah. And then the fans like really cheer for him and they love watching him and it's always sold out whenever he plays and that's the type of person you want yeah. now I mean I want to be like if it's gonna you know make us money you can be silly and do silly stuff while playing I say we kind of do want to win though so it does go hand in hand but essentially that's the main thing of it you want someone who does it I mean especially for teams or organizations as well it talks about they call contracting so whenever and this is for offense whenever something happens people just contract like oh I'll just wait till this is all over I know for instance one of the boxing gyms I like to go to in Raleigh Knuckle Love I love Knuckle Love sorry (laughs) shout out Shout out to there? <laughs> yeah, I used to I used to work over there with Cricket. Um, he used to he used oh, to train yeah, me over no, there. Cricket used to be my trainer over at Sport HQ. Same, but over at Knuckle Up. Uh, shout out, yeah, definitely big shout out to Randy. I'm I'm, I'm waiting for Knuckle Up to open back up, man. I want to get a uh, a kickboxing membership over there. Yeah, so I mean, but he's always posting stuff online on social media. And the thing about it, all it takes is effort. Yeah, I mean pay someone it will take money but i mean honestly it takes your time it just takes like you know effort energy time you know to post stuff on sort of like this podcast right now it didn't cost me anything to get on besides you know however long it takes and so that's the main thing that people don't do is that they it's like you have to look at what can you do you know that costs nothing any, any networking events, I mean, you know, that obviously you can't go into those now, but they have so many different panels and things like that. When you look at the amount of free stuff available uh, as well, mm-hmm. and building a personal brand is not only import, important, I mean, whatever industry you're in, it's important. And it's going to continue to get more important. And then all these entrepreneurs that I follow that are older, you know, they're in 60s, 70s, they say, yeah, they don't like social media, they don't understand it. Obviously, they pay someone who knows what they're doing, mm-hmm. but they say they know that's what where it is now, that's how you reach the attention of people. They say reaching the attention of people, getting attention is how I make money, and it's pretty much you go wherever the attention is. That's why sponsors are sponsored esports teams, because that's where all the attention is. Yeah. And if you can build a great personal brand as a gamer, then that you, that's how you get Mixer to pay you to switch platforms. That's how you can run your own live event and you know get millions of viewers. Hell yeah! No, that's 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 definitely really valid information. I think that a lot of people should bring in, not just for the esports world, but in general for any any business, any entrepreneur that's trying to build themselves. That brand is really essential when it comes to to spreading yourself and the free events network 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 like that's all i was doing before covid happened i was going to a bunch of networking events so i could not agree with you more there um i mean 
I feel like we've we've touched on a lot. Damn, we've been yeah. doing a lot, even though COVID's been going on. Well, I mean, that's the main thing. I'll say I look at this as an opportunity to take advantage of. Mm -hmm. We said, well, you know, everyone else isn't doing anything. There is something left for me to do. And the last thing I'll leave y'all with, because I said I'll go back to, you know, top of the larger facility. So this would be, you know, Contender Esports is, you know, within the franchise mindset. You go, you have fun. It's to play casual amateur level type tournaments that are run there. You know, we do fundraisers, birthday parties, all for fun. The other facility, details haven't been finalized. We think it's going to be between 10,000 and 15,000 square feet. We're going to look for a warehouse to go in and build out. Estimated about a $3 million project. But within that, what we're doing is building up that training base under a different company than continues, but building up that training base of clients. And then when we have a great amount of clients, we're going to be transferring them over to that larger training facility. And then within that training facility, we would have, you know, team rooms, stream rooms. It'll be offices, obviously, because people have to staff members have to work there. There'll be a stage with seating so we could actually, you know, run larger tournaments. And the reason that so many tournament organizers don't host tournaments that are big and that often is because it's so hard. I've spoken to people that run, you know, play through and other tournaments like that. And they said, well, first of all, the venue costs a lot of money. Then it costs a lot for the internet, which still isn't that good. They have to go and set up and there's so many details to it. And no matter what they do, no matter how they plan, there's always issues and it never goes well. And what we are offering, we said, well, we already have everything set up. All you have to do is come and play. And so we're offering a way to actually make those more efficient. As well would be for other teams to come in, rent out training rooms and train, you know, do video sessions. And we would have space available for mobile esports training because, you know, mobile esports are on the rise. That is a new thing. We will not start out with this, but there will be VR there as well. So, you know, VR, now there's a VR Masters League, and there are different games within it. I'm still, I play VR, it's cool. I'm really excited for it coming five, ten years from now. I have an Oculus Go, which is the cheap one, doesn't require a PC. Mm. But it is really fun to play those games. I said, I can really see how five, ten years from now, how big and popular VR will be. And then when they actually get it down to, you know, eSports ready so that, you know, because it can't be where a tenth of a second it decides the winner or loser. So when eSports gets, when VR eSports gets to that point, and then as well as hopefully the racing stimulators, which we have to look at, you know, how much it costs, you know, what the ROI of that will be. But pretty much it's just a larger training facility, you know, that will be used to run larger tournaments as well, you know, where we can actually have teams from all over the country coming in because of how large the event is, attracting more sponsors. We feel like a facility like that, Contender Esports, and then all the other things that are happening, benches within the area, that will really do a lot to help grow and build it up. 100% man that's awesome I mean that's I'm I mean congratulations on everything I really hope that it all goes swimmingly and that COVID doesn't put too many nails in your in your path there well 
we're working on getting continuing sports open and then with the pro team and youth academy and all the coaching all that yeah. up first and then we're going to look at you know the other projects that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, throw up the uh, the handle again for uh, everything that you're working on. What was it again? Oh yeah, so uh, at Contender Carry. All right, and you said all platforms: so Instagram, all Facebook, all that fun stuff. Yeah, and then also we have a link tree link, so you can go on. You can see our website. You can sign up for our one dollar membership. That will give you access to our members only party the day we open. Oh yeah. And. Does have our YouTube channel on there, which the videos you can find on Instagram Live, I believe, as well. As well, I do have a podcast. If you go to my personal social media, that's CV Smith zero zero, or you can also go to Linktree. Uh, Caleb Smith is the link to that. Though, and you could that will show my podcast and website and other things to look at. Yeah, man, hell yeah, this has been a gla blast, I'm so glad that you were able to fill me in and everything, like I said, it's it's awesome to see how much you've accomplished just in this short period of time, not only since we talked last, but also just going through COVID, um, so congratulations again for sure, and I still think we're going to stick to the July date for our next, uh, our next episode. What date was it, was it July 1st? I think so. Hey, I mean, I'm all for for coming on. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if we'll be open by then, but I'm just like, I'll come on, talk about something within esports. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that there will, there's always going to be something to talk about, especially giving a few months from now. Who knows where esports will be? Yeah, just. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna try to make a prediction. I was like, I'm not gonna try to do that. Don't don't jinx anything. Don't jinx anything. Just yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, thanks again. Like I said, this has been awesome. It's it's so awesome to hear everything that's been going on. I'm definitely gonna go over and check out um, the little walkthrough of how everything's coming into play. Even though I know you guys have just been slowly working on openings. So well, you get to see the whole construction, you know, from the start. That's awesome. I love I love those uh, before and after. Just kind of the the whole the whole spiel it's it's something where you can really see how much heart someone puts into it and effort and passion you know what i mean and i know that you've got passion for for esports in general so i'm just super hyped to see uh to see the future man absolutely well thanks again i had a blast like always and i will uh, i know i'll talk to you soon absolutely i'll talk with you later as well see you guys again yo July 1st or sometime soon. <laughs> right. Bye, man. Bye.